Hey, everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, do men and women really communicate all that differently? It sure seems like my wife and I do. Why do we communicate so differently? Is it social or is it in our genes? We're talking about it up next right after the news with Sam Motorcycle McCall. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. Authorities in Panama have discovered sophisticated missile equipment on board a North Korean vessel shipping out of Cuba. U.S. State Department officials say any arms or related materials on board the vessel violate at least three United Nations resolutions. Senators appeared to be close to making a deal to approve several previously blocked Obama administration nominees today after Democrats threatened to crack down and change administrative rules on the filibuster. Former U.S. spy agency contractor Edward Snowden has now applied for temporary asylum in Russia after spending three weeks holed up in a Moscow airport. White House officials are still actively working to get Snowden extradited to face espionage charges. A rally against the Zimmerman verdict in Los Angeles turned violent last night when a group of about 150 people broke off from the protest and began breaking windows and setting fires. The LAPD responded swiftly to quell the violence, arresting at least 13 people. In world news, NASA officials had an Italian astronaut abort a six-hour spacewalk just one hour in after his helmet began to fill with water. The water may have leaked from a drinking bag, but spacewalks are rarely aborted. As protests in Egypt grow violent once again, a new cabinet has been sworn in without a single Islamist from either of the country's two main groups, who have won all six elections in Egypt since 2011. Mexican authorities have captured the leader of the brutal Zetas cartel, the first major blow against organized crime since the new administration came to power in Mexico. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. This is it. We made it to another show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools you need to make it through this crazy thing we call life. What is that? That was a diary. sounds like uh, Craig Ferguson. It may have been a little Craig Ferguson. I don't know. I think it was that little guy on my Lucky Charms. It was Mox. somewhere, some Scottish, a little bit of uh, Irish stereotype there. Yeah. Um, but I, my problem is I don't have an ear to discern between the Scottish and Irish language. Well, keep it up and we'll know. Nor Australia. I pretty much, they all sound the same to me. <laughs> That's how attuned my ear is. <laughs> but But can you pick out? No. Accents in America. Oh, no. No? Nope. So I don't know how to know where anyone's from, but here's where I'm good. Genders. <laughs> I can tell. No, I was raised by th- four women, okay? And so this come, This is our topic today. This is a big deal. Because some people – I put this quote up on Facebook and you guys just tell me if it's offensive because it set off a whirlwind of responses. Sky's laughing and he doesn't even know what it is. Sky, what are you doing? What's your problem here? I don't have a problem. You got the giggles. I just have the giggles. 
Um, so here was the quote. It was roughly because we're having a hard time going back that far. But I basically said um, – it said something like this. What did I say? Facebook uh. thing. No, but yeah. Enough. It was basically said if uh, men – Men, a, a man's commitment in a relationship is tested. No, a woman's commitment in a relationship is tested when there's nothing. When she, when when she has nothing. nothing. And a man's commitment in the relationship is tested when he has everything. Okay? It was just a quote. And then we usually basically ask something like, what do you think? Well, people went off because they, they thought we were saying that women – women are just shallow and the only reason they would have Which, a relationship is because when they – the only time their relationships are tested is when there's nothing. Which I didn't really get that. I actually I saw that. that more on the dude side that once yeah. he has everything, like that's that seems not good more enough. Shallow. Then he leaves. And I don't. Maybe because yeah. I'm a dude, I yeah. was more focused well, on the dude side. That's what I want to find out. Is there a dude effect? <laughs> the dude effect. The dude effect. You know, there's the dew point in like meteorology. In the morning. The morning. The dew point. The dew. I don't know if it's a dew factor. There's a dew point. Is there a dude point? Do are we that alike? I know ninety eight percent of us is alike, right? Are we body? I mean, whatever organs. We're, we're just one cells. chromosome off. Yeah, we're, it's just that one. But it seems like, and I think it's good. Now we don't want to use it to discriminate and to even stereotype. But to me, it also seems good that we're different. I personally don't want to be married to a woman that's like me. That's that, a nightmare. That would be weird. I'm messed up. That's what she says. One of my one of my favorite qualities about many women is that they're not me. Oh yeah. So <laughs> so it seems like so anyway, it created a firestorm and people were like, "What? We are exactly alike or whatever." So that's what we're talking about today. So Skyboy, hang on, my friend. Because I may not know dialect, but I was raised by four women. And I'm here to tell you, there's some very just basic differences between how men and women think. Now, again, you may be different. I think because I was raised by four women, I think they done warped my brain. I think they have made me... A girly boy? Wow. (laughs) Wow. No. I I wouldn't have said that. A girly boy. (laughs) Did you not see me stretching? <laughs> I didn't see that. A lot of people, <laughs> you can't tell. This is why we don't do TV. But before the show, I like to stretch out a bit. But it's funny. You'd think I'd stretch my body, my upper body out. But, you know, my pecs are so big, I don't want to stretch up there. I just stretch my hammies out and my my Achilles. He had to park 20 feet further from the building today. So. I actually did. <laughs> no, but I have plantar fasciitis. Which is an which is an athletic injury you'd never know about because you're not an athlete. What is it? It's where the foot tendon fascia that pulls your toes and your heel of your foot together. It's done plantard. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Matt. You're doing really good for a while. I was on board. I was like, wow. That's what the guy told me. Matt really knows this stuff. I did not expect that. It was pretty amazing. He's telling me, and he's like, so does, yeah. And he pointed, yeah, it hurt right there. And he's like, great. Well, why don't, and he just showed me how to do it. So I just did it right there. I just did a nice little stretch. You see it? I'm going to do another one in a minute. I'm going to do it all through the show. Makes my foot feel better. When you'll know, when you get up in the middle of the night, well, you don't even understand this. A lot of men get up in the middle of the night. You know, check the doors, 
<laughs> stuff like that. But I, when I, so I can't even walk in the morning. Like literally, I have to get a walker when I get up. Some little tennis balls on the bottom, scoot around. <laughs> yeah. Don't leave any, don't yeah. leave any marks on the and floor. It, no offense to anyone that has one, but I need one, and I can usually walk the rest of the day. But it's that darn plat, plantar. So I'm just letting you know. I don't even know how, how we got there. But my sister taught me, and I don't know how we got there. But that was that's my life. So we're talking today about the difference between men and women. By the way, women have plantar fasciitis. See, that's where we're alike. My mom has it. My sisters have it. I have it. Boom. Girly boy. Not a girly boy. No, that – and a lot of professional athletes have that. Women professional? No, men. Anyone with a foot can have that. <laughs> if, if you have a foot, if you, you have get a foot, plantar fasciitis. You can have it. So we're talking about this topic today, and we, we've got a really amazing thing. We almost have a study to present to you that was, was done. Uh, it has actually no uh, academic significance. In fact, it's, it's moderately unethical. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. So we've performed our own <laughs> unethical study that is pseudoscience. Absolute pseudoscience. And, but we're going to stand by it. And we had a sample size of two. We don't want to waste it either. Psychology today turned us down. Yeah. Because of, oh, did yeah, they call? Yeah. The, the, they said the sample size needs to be larger than two. Larger than two. So but larger than one of each gender. Since we've gone to the trouble to commission and conduct. And technically study. you paid me for it. True. Technically I was point. paid for yeah, it. Yeah, we don't want the point. money to go to waste. We figure why not just present it on the show instead. And so we're going to be doing the study in the next block. Um we also – I'm a little bit intrigued by the Zimmerman case, uh, mainly the jury, OK, because this is pretty divisive. Um, but the jury was all women, six women. Now, it's a jury of your peers, right? You're supposed to have a jury of your peers. We had six women. So the prosecution and the defense apparently settled on letting the decision be made by six women. That seems to me pretty telling. You know, and I don't know what it's telling us, but it's telling us, I guess, there's something about a female juror because they all settled on it. And now it's creating major tension and stuff. But again, I think we're different. And I personally, I think that's great. If you listen to the the interviews with some of the with the jury member that's been speaking, it's pretty amazing an emotion there. But it wasn't just an emotional decision. And they talked and they pushed through the data and they pushed through the evidence and. I don't know. I'm not going to take a side on it, but you know what? Again, we're different. And yet, how come there wasn't one man on the jury? Apparently, maybe we're not different enough that we don't need men on juries. Or maybe there's a benefit to having women on juries. Because <laughs> if women do listen more, apparently some of the studies say that, or they pay attention differently, maybe it helps. Now, again, it's not all women, because we all know people that don't listen. And we all know men that do that were raised by four women that they then call sissy boy on the radio. Girly boy. Girly boy. Merritt, what do you got to say here? What do I have? I have um, – we asked on Facebook whether yes, or not – Yes, we did. Is there a difference according to my Facebook According people? to your Facebook, there are differences. What? Yeah. Well, first These are of the all, same people that got mad at me they are, for that other yes. club. Suddenly they've so, changed their tune. Yeah. Where did the other one – Just well, saying. Okay. Here's, here's one of my favorite responses. Um this is by Rayleigh. She says, plugging people into categories just makes life easier sometimes. Sure. She says, however, I've never fit into the typical female category, and my husband doesn't fit into the typical male category. Everyone is an, is, is an individual. Yes, I like that. Yeah. And 
other people say, um, you know, statistically, yes, there are differences, but not everyone fits into that. Um, this is Debbie, and she says, I know men who talk more than the average woman and oh, get yeah. their feelings hurt more easily, and I know men, women who are more logical and less emotional than men. So you can't depend on it, but then we have a lot of mothers, oh, and boy. those mothers with their children Maybe it's say not there are female. definite differences. Okay, see, that is interesting. So these are moms saying, when I look at my kids, there's a difference. Yeah, she said um, – Sorry, I can't find it here. Brittany says that before she was married, she thought that was just sexism. Yeah. There, of course, there were no differences. Right. And then she got married and she was like, I'm very different from my husband, yeah, yeah. the way we communicate. Yeah. And then she says, but what really made me believe we are born with those differences was having, a, was having kids. <laughs> she has one girl and one boy. She says they just came completely different. They're just different. It's just how they are. Back, there is research that – and again – it's research, so maybe it's just statistical, and you may not fit into the mold, and there's not just one mold, but there is statistics and research that show um, that baby girls tend to maintain more eye contact mm-hmm. with their parents than baby boys do. So if that's true, how did that happen? Well, there are it's, things happening. It's a difference. Yeah. And I think that's a huge advantage, because like when my wife says, did you see that? And I'm like, what? I didn't. Did you see what he did? Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Not even noticing. She's like, why don't you watch our children? Um, I don't know. Because you are. I don't need to if you do. So we're different. Now, again, we're going to bring on some experts to talk about this. But more importantly, we're going to perform our own study. We're going to actually share with you the research of our non-scientific study um, that Bryce Tobin put together right after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to BYU Radio. Just about every time you fly on a commercial jetliner, when you look out the window, you'll see a particular NASA innovation. Can you guess what it is? This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. It's the turned-up wingtip called a winglet. Ever since the late 1970s, they've been appearing on the tips of airplane wings, and they serve a special purpose, other than just looking cool. NASA researcher Richard Whitcomb was the modern father of the winglet as it is known today. He developed it to solve a specific aerodynamic problem. Air coming off the tips of a wing creates a swirling motion, what we call a vortex. These vortices create parasitic drag on the wing, as if the wing were much longer than it really is. Whitcomb showed that you could trick the vortices into not forming or into detaching from the wing and reducing drag using the winglet. NASA's extensive testing on modified jets proved Whitcomb's theories correct, and soon every plane manufacturer was using winglets to reduce drag on airliner wings. That reduction creates a significant improvement in gas mileage as well. In 2010, they saved airlines over 2 billion gallons of jet fuel and are expected to save over 5 billion gallons by next year. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Through the garage door is BYU Radio's look into rock and roll, where we play songs and the music we're passionate about. We need, the reason we listen to music is what it makes us feel. I mean, sure, it's, it's fun when music makes us think, but what, it, what we're really going for is what it makes us feel. Through the Garage Door airs on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern, only here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. This just in, the latest research. Here's just some research headlines before we get to our own Matt Townsend Show research. These are just the headlines that you can find on Science Daily, which is where they they release kind of the latest studies. Listen to these. Married men really do less housework than married women do. No, I thought we were all equal. Aren't we all doing the same amount of housework? Hold it now. So does that mean that I should get married? Yes, you should if you want to do less housework. There it is. Apparently, men (laughs) and women differ in the way they anticipate uh, an unpleasant emotional experience, research finds. So men and women anticipate emotional experiences differently. Men and women explore the visual world differently is another one. Men and women have major personality differences. Hmm. New report suggests previous measurements have all been wrong. Men and women tend to respond differently to danger. But I thought we were all the same. No. Go up to the – by my house, I have a hang gliding park where people jump off a mountain with a hang glider to their demise. And I'm going to bet if we just did a sample, maybe we'll send Bryce to do another pseudo-academic study here. Um, I bet we'll find more men jumping off that mountain. I'm going to bet because they respond differently to danger. I don't know. I'm guessing. Again, I don't know if it's – I don't think that's sexist. It's just I think we're different and I don't want to cause problems, but I think we're different. Now, we're going to prove we're different with a pseudo study put together by our own Bryce Lamar Tobin. Bryce, what uh, did you find? Well, hold on. I don't want to spoil the surprise. Okay. But – we may not be as similar as we think we really want to be. Really? How's that? Okay. This is Bryce's statistically insignificant, unlicensed, single-blind psychological experiment with a sample size of two. My own hypothesis is that men and women communicate differently because we interpret scenarios differently. So I decided to grab two very bland but very believable scenarios and give them to Rob and Merritt and sort of see what they come up with. Here's the first scenario. Jenna lives with Marissa. Marissa is acting like she's mad at Jenna. For what reasons could Marissa be angry with Jenna? How should Jenna approach the situation? Probably she left socks on the floor. That makes her mad because then she has to pick up the socks. Rob's primary assumption is that the problem is something domestic like laundry. And hinted at by his tone, he finds it all very trivial. She probably says, I, I've told you before. Well, she'd be more like, hey, I've told you before, you need to pick up the socks. And How come you don't respect me because of the socks on the floor, I guess? Then as he goes to personify the situation, he can't fathom this actually being a problem for him. So he switches from his own voice to that of a female impression. But now Rob makes a fantastic maneuver. Socks may be the cause of the confrontation, but there's an underlying source of the problem, and it's Marissa's feeling a lack of respect from Jenna. Rob knows that sometimes people attach real problems to real situations in order to justify their own hysterical behavior. Uh, Jenna should respond by saying, sorry, I left my socks on the floor. I'll pick them up and then... That problem solves itself. But he then takes two steps back from that one step he just took forward and assumes that picking up the sock will solve the problem. But once again, the socks have been suddenly attached to feelings of disrespect. The only way to solve the problem is for Jenna to immediately and unconditionally respect Marissa from this point forward forever. She might be able to balance it out with something. Oh yeah, well you leave your dishes in the sink. So I'll tell you what, I'll pick the socks up if you clean your dishes. Problem solved. 
And now Rob takes two more steps back and thinks making a deal will really fix the problem. There's so much wrong here, I don't know where to begin. He first assumes that any degree of balance can be achieved. And when he says balance, Rob means a 50-50 balance. But as far as Marissa is concerned, Jenna has been somewhere above 50 because she thinks Marissa doesn't deserve anything near 50% and the only way to repair this problem is for Marissa to get 100% and then Jenna needs to debase herself in order to prove that she now truly feels that undying respect for Marissa. And Marissa certainly can't do the dishes for Jenna because that would mean doing something nice for Jenna which might make her think it's okay for her to get away with disrespecting Marissa. And all of this comes down to the male assumption that women will give any credit to taking action. Rob focused on picking up the sock or washing the dishes, but any male knows that even if the socks and dishes got cleaned for the next 10,000 years, if Jenna didn't break down and admit that she didn't respect Marissa because she thought she was better than her, the confrontation would continue. Marissa is mad at Jenna for some reason. They live together. So I would say what is going on is that Jenna has probably done something unintentionally that offends Marissa in some way. My guess is it's something to do with how they live together. So Jenna might have left dishes in the sink. She may have left things out in the bathroom, um, didn't clean her hair out of the drain, could have left her clothes somewhere, or she could have done something maybe in a social situation, maybe Jenna interrupted Marissa when she didn't want to be interrupted, or something like that. Interestingly, Merritt also went for domestic issues as the straw that broke the camel's back or the shot heard around the world. But then she jumped to something a little more complex and a little less stereotypical in the possibility of social situations. So I would say Jenna should approach the situation by maybe at some point, well, making sure, first of all, that she's the are clean and that she's done all those things that she should as a roommate. Now, I find Merritt's solution odd. Instead of approaching the problem first, she proposes to fix every single thing that could possibly be the problem before even approaching the situation. Sounds a little neurotic, but I like where her head's at. And then Jenna should probably just sit down with Marissa at some point on the couch when they're alone and just say, I noticed you haven't been yourself lately, and I hope that I haven't done anything to offend you, but if that's the case, could you please tell me what's going on and we can fix it. So her next step is to approach the situation as apologetically as possible and then beat around the bush until a confession emerges? I don't know. And the second scenario, Mark won't talk with Jack. Jack isn't sure what happened. Why might Mark not want to talk to Jack? Reasons Mark might not want to talk to Jack. I'm assuming they're friends. So let's say Mark might not want to talk to Jack because maybe Jack embarrassed him in some way. Maybe he was joking around a little too much, hit something that Mark didn't want to be hit upon. Maybe he, maybe Jack said something that embarrassed Mark in front of a girl he was interested in. First off, Merritt approaches this scenario the way she approached the other one, but skips any domestic issue and goes straight for something social like embarrassment, which is possible. But remember, with guys, it's always about jockeying for position. So if someone embarrasses you, it's your job to embarrass them more. And just not talking accomplishes so little. Or maybe Mark is just tired. Wait, hold on. Merritt might be onto something. It's simple, streamlined, and plausible, not to mention how common it might be. Let's see how this pans out. Wait for it. Wait for it. Or has something emotional going on in his life that he doesn't want to share, and so doesn't really feel like talking. I feel like that could also be an issue. Oh, wait, no. She overcomplicated it. Uh, because it could be that Jack is just going through something with his girlfriend or something, and you bring it up, and it, it just makes it more complicated and awkward. Let it be. Mm -hmm. Give him a few days. He wants to talk about it. He'll bring it up. Okay, let's see where this goes. Um, At most, you might say, hey, dude, you're all right. And that gives him the freedom to talk about it if he wants to or to just drop it and let it go if he doesn't. Yep, sounds good to me. And remember, you can trust me because I almost have a degree in psychology. Profound. 
Profound. Another study. Um, this was interesting. Bryce, fill me in. What What are your conclusions? Uh, my conclusions are that uh, that men and women will approach situations the same way. These two will... men and women. <laughs> yeah, these Both two of, samples, samples of two based on based on your sample of two. On one, them, actually, one and one, one and them, and a lifetime of anecdotal evidence. Yes, um, we're different. That they will approach situations the same way, but they'll approach the situations with different people in different ways. Yeah, yeah, differently. Okay. See, so your consensus is we're different. No, Matt, we're totally the same. And, and this, this is important to me. The answer of all of this debate and discussion is we're different. Now, just get in line. Rob and I, two guys, are also different. Bryce and I, totally the same. No, Bryce and I, different. <laughs> Skyboy, not even in the same ballpark. We're just all different. Merritt, what do you think now that you've been listening and heard the whole study? I think that we just might be different. Well, yeah. See, I know. Ninety-eight. I would say ninety-eight point nine percent the same, really, but a little different. Mm-hmm. Different enough. Yeah. Different enough. Yeah. The, the problem was as simple as a house being on fire. You got to get in and you got to put out the fire. But what I got from that study was this is a man. Merritt would ask questions that I don't think needed to be asked, like, why did the house catch fire? How did the house feel while it see, was but, on fire? See, but you know why? <laughs> but see, Merritt brings a nuance to this that is powerful. She's reading in possible value. Yeah, I'm sorry. I care about your emotional well-being, guys. I think that was like, good. Now, you know what? This is going to serve you well, Merritt, because yeah. I have children – that don't talk when they're babies, and you, you'll be able to read into it. My wife can read into the cry of our baby. She'll say, what cry is it, Matt? And like I'll be like, the loud one? No, I'll be like, wah, wah. It's like that cry. Wah. She says, is that a dirty diaper cry or a hungry cry? Wah. I have no idea. I have no idea. I didn't even know there was cries. It all sounded the same to me. But she's like, that's a poopy cry. And then she'll go change him. Boom! She knew. How did she know? By the way, she could also smell. <laughs> she had other senses at her disposal. <laughs> she's not, but. It's not all hearing. But she, so I, I, but I honestly believe that's what you, you read more than just the line. Now, again, not all women. Not all women. Well, but, okay. And not all men. Don't get it. But a good portion of them do, I think. Well, another thing is, like, we use the example, I think it was Jenna and Marissa. Yeah. If I were to solve a problem with a girl, you don't ever want to do something directly because they take direct as confrontation in my experience. So do men. And so, like, that's why Rob was like, hey, what's up? A girl would never answer that. She'd be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. fine. Whatever. Oh, it's good. No, she I know. But see, that's the thing. So that's why if something were wrong with Jenna or Marissa, either one of them, I don't remember. They would have to sit down and talk it out, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So they're more complicated than Well, and Rob like kept seeming impatient, like, this is going to, ah, are you going to use more <laughs> words? Why are we using more yes. words? Let's just words. get this thing done. That's one thing. And, and there's, we'll get into this. There's some great research about how men like to fix. And I even believe we don't just fix, but that's how we bond. We're not talking to talk. Talk is cheap. Get to action. 
Let's do something. I felt it. Now, again, let's just be really clear. You may be different. I'm, I seriously am different. I'm more of what would you call me? A girly boy. Yeah, I didn't like that. Um, I'm more, I think I get the female brain. I really do. And I think I, it actually helps my business. And that's probably, it's helped me. But I also think part of that is because I was raised by four women who slowly, here we go, beat it out of me emotionally, who would always ask, Matt, how do you feel about that? You seem sad. Tell me about your feelings. And I'd share. And we'd talk about it. And then I noticed the next day we'd talk again. And it felt a lot like the exact same conversation, but it wasn't because it was profound and that we were bonding. I didn't realize we were bonding. So I think I learned it. We're not here to just stereotype, but I think there's differences. And I I, I personally think a lot of it goes with the mere fact that if you're going to have the womb, you got to have the tools to understand the kid that's going to come in the womb. Yeah, I think it helps. But we're going to learn. We're going to learn everything today. Everything on earth there is to know about the difference between man and woman. No, we're not. But we're going to at least give you a little bit of a, a nudge towards understanding. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with an expert to help us on this. You're listening to BYU Radio. On Thinking Aloud, you can hear host Marcus Smith talk with guests about a variety of topics. The subjects can range from superheroes to religion, sometimes even in the same conversation. One of the things that I have learned through studying superheroes and thinking about superheroes is that genuine spirituality is actually harder to do than a certain kind of orthodox religiosity. Join us for Thinking Aloud at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. A North Korean vessel bound from Cuba was carrying sophisticated missile equipment hidden in sugar containers. Authorities in Panama discovered the equipment while searching for drugs. U.S. State Department officials say the equipment violates at least three United Nations resolutions. Several Obama administration nominees may finally get approved by the Senate after Democrats threatened to permanently hamper the power of the filibuster yesterday. Republicans agreed to vote on five nominees if two others are changed. Despite calls from Russian President Vladimir Putin to leave, former U.S. spy agency contractor Edward Snowden has now applied for temporary asylum in Russia after spending three weeks in a Moscow airport. A Los Angeles rally against the Zimmerman verdict turned violent last night when a group broke off from the main rally and started to riot. Police responded quickly to stop the violence and arrested at least 13 people. In world news, NASA officials had an Italian astronaut abort a six-hour spacewalk just one hour in after his helmet began to fill with water. The water may have leaked from a drink bag, but spacewalk walks, excuse me, are rarely aborted. As protests in Egypt grow violent once again, a new cabinet has now been sworn in without a single Islamist from either of the country's two main groups, who have won all six elections in Egypt since 2011. Mexican authorities have captured the leader of the brutal Zetas cartel, the first major blow against organized crime since the new administration came to power in Mexico with promises to drive down crime figures. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is going to be a great topic. Now, a couple just uh, anecdotal pieces for you. We are talking today about the differences between men and women. My uh, belief is that we are different. I don't believe we should stereotype, um, but I truly just feel in my heart there are some inherent differences. I mean, there's obviously obvious physiological kind of differences, but I just think we, we approach things differently, and there's great research about it, really. I mean, I can keep going on and on and on about what the researchers find are different. I mean, it's true that there are uh, more women on antidepressants than men. I don't know if you want to call that different, but it probably would seem to me that that might mean that there's some emotion and they're more uh, maybe even adept at noticing it. Uh, There are 70 percent of divorces are filed by women, which also might mean they're more maybe in tune to what a relationship is and isn't. They might be more done. I don't know, but the data's there. I don't think it's a universal difference. I don't think every woman has it and every man has it. But to negate it and pretend like we're not different, I think it sets us up. I personally believe we ought to celebrate them. Now, for example, one of my favorite YouTube videos that's going around is called It's Not About the Nail. And if you haven't seen that video, go to YouTube, look up It's Not About the Nail. It's about a husband and wife having a conversation on the couch, and she has a nail in her forehead. And she's complaining because she feels pressure in her head. She always has headaches and pressure. And in his head, he's looking at her thinking, it's about the nail. There's a nail right in your forehead. And he just wants to fix it. So he keeps like, oh, quit talking. Because your problem is you have a nail in your forehead. And she's like, it's not about the nail. And then she keeps complaining about how her sweaters are snagged on, on her sweaters keep snagging. And there's just pressure and pain. And nobody seems to, and he's like, really, hon, I think if we just pull that nail out, you'll be fine. It's not about the nail. He's wanting to fix it. He doesn't quite get what she needs. But what she really needs is she just wants somebody to understand. So he finally gets it. He quits talking, quits trying to fix it. And instead he says, it's, that, that sounds like that would be horrible to have all that pressure. And she says, it is. And she explains a little bit more and she now relaxes. And then they get through it. Now, again, that's probably fairly stereotypical as well. But the reality is uh, I think there's a difference. A lot of guys, I think we want to fix it. A lot of girls, I think we want to understand it. We, like I'm talking like I'm a girl. What would you call me? Girly boy. Girly boy. So I guess I... I you are a girly registered, boy. Registered girly boy. But um, anyway, we've got a great guest that's going to help us today to kind of sort through this. And uh, this is important. I, I really truly believe it is, again, not to stereotype us and not to just categorize us and you know try to fit us all into one silly little box. Not true. But we're going to be talking today to Bob... Taby, who's a LCSW, a licensed clinical social worker with over 39 years of experience. He's the author of five books, including Doing Couples Therapy, Craft and Creativity in Work with Intimate Partners, and a book that's forthcoming, Therapy Boot Camp, Action-Oriented, Brief Approaches to Anxiety, Anger, and Depression. Uh, Bob Taby is also an author or a writer um, who works and does a lot of writing with psychology today in their fixing families area online. So please welcome to the show, Bob Taby. Bob, welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, man. I'm glad to be here. Good to have you. I really, um, this is such an interesting issue. And to me, it seems so apparent, but I, I don't know if you heard this, but I, I posted something on Facebook about kind of about the differences between men and women, and a lot of women went off on me 
um, basically trying to claim, I guess, that we're not. There's not differences. That's just stereotyping. Yeah. Well, I, about half half the work I do is with couples, and I I see this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I've, I've, you know I, I I was talking to a couple today where basically the wife was complaining. My husband never talks to me. You know, he yeah. never he never lets me know what's going on inside his head. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I ask him a question, and he gives me one word answers. And for him, he's going, I got nothing to say. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Not, I, don't, I don't have a problem. There's nothing to complain about. And she's, in her it, mind, it's about... She wants a relationship. Uh, yeah, it's about a relationship, and I feel lonely, and I feel disconnected. Which is why you come home, and she's like, how was your day? Right. And he's like, great. Yeah, it's good. We're done. Done. How was your day? <laughs> And then here we go. But see, but it's the idea behind that though is she's using that conversation. He's using it kind of like a report back. That's right. My day was fine. All is well. But she was looking for not a report back. She was looking for a real rapport, a connection. Absolutely. And 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 what happens for and depending on how it sounds to him. Yeah. Guys are real sensitive to questions. You know. They, yeah. Oh, absolutely. They, they start to feel like the. They're back in third grade, <laughs> you know. Totally. The parents are asking them what you know whether they really clean up their rooms, uh-huh. and so it doesn't take much for them to kind of hear more in that than just kind of a simple question. They're going right. to they're bracing themselves for what's going to happen next. So a lot of them just kind of shut down because of that. They start to feel interrogated. You know? It's interesting. The questioning's a big deal, isn't it? Because I guess there's a tone almost of judgment there. Yeah. Or, or comparison too. Any kind of comparison. Right. Yeah, and and what what I what I usually try to coach coach uh, wives to do is to make a statement rather than a question. Or if you're going to ask a question, you know, be careful how it sounds, because mm-hmm. um, guys easily get defensive. The other side of it is guys need to realize that a question can just be a question. You oh yeah, know? and it, <laughs> it's it's her way of reaching out and trying to find out what's going on, and not and not get all uptight about it. But well, you're absolutely right. You know, I, the, the other side of that is that. Uh, when the guy goes, how was your day? And I always tell the story of my wife, my wife and I were dating. This, this happened a lot where, you know, it's five o'clock and I come home from work and I said to my wife, how was your day, honey? She goes, you know, I woke up this morning and I had, oh, this, boy. Thing, and I had this thing about the squirrel and then I had this wrench in my neck and then Karen called and I had, she was going to be late for work and then I couldn't decide what <laughs> dress to wear and I couldn't find it in the lawn. And we're five minutes into it and... You know, we haven't hit breakfast yet. Yeah. And this is where guys' eyes start to glaze over. Oh, see. You know, because they're getting too much information, and we're trying to figure out what problem is there to fix. You know, right. is it about the squirrel? Is it about the dress? You know, is it about breakfast? We don't know. Which which one do you want me to fix first? That's right. That's I right. think it's a squirrel issue. That's right. I'm going to go back to that, and I'm going to go get your squirrel for you. That's right, right. Then yeah, we'll work I, on that neck. That's right. And so they get overloaded. And after a while, they shut down. They've actually done research on this, where where guys are literally they get they get so overloaded with too much information, they just kind of just shut down, <laughs> and that at that point the you know the wife's got that son of a gun he's not even listening to me anymore, and then they get oh, really upset. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I mean, it really it's you would think having been together for so long, yeah, we would have I guess grown more alike. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. it seems like by the time we're ninety. We pretty much dress the same. We smell the same. We right. eat the same thing. Everything's the same, except we're still so different. Right. But, right. You know, what do you do? Well, yeah, and a lot of it is, is you know, I mean, 
thankfully, some of this research is coming out and getting out there for, right. for folks. But um, you're right, because this, this could be, uh, you know, probably uh, my, my, probably the first 10 years of my marriage, my wife was uh, a nurse, and I would go pick her up at the hospital because it was hard to park. So I would pick her up at, like, midnight. Mm-hmm. And she would get in the car, and she'd been, she'd been tired, and she had a hard shift, and she would start complaining. And probably for 10 years, probably five nights a week, she would start complaining about something. They'd go, why don't you go talk to your supervisor? You yeah. know, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. the, the nail thing you're talking about is exactly that. I, you know, and I would get so frustrated because every night she would never follow my advice, and she <laughs> would still complain. And finally, after about 10 years, she goes, Bob, just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Please, don't Bob. Don't say anything. Just listen to me. I just need to kind of get this stuff off my chest. Finally, that, I got it. That's what know? she's doing, though, right? So let's get this clear. So men and women, we, I mean, and there's some great books. If anyone wants to go read a book by Deborah Tannen, yes. I mean, yes. that is kind of the quintessential research Absolutely. on male-female communication. The book's yes. called We Just Don't, You Just Don't Understand. Right. Difference between men and women in conversations. Now, but so the basic goal, you know, generally, again, but statistically relevant, women tend to have a goal in their conversation that that is, this is what she found, is different than the goal that men have. Explain that to us. Yeah, well, women, there's two two different ways women use conversation. One is to connect to other people. You know, for them, they believe in consensus, they believe in maintaining relationships. So even when they're talking, they're looking to to try to connect. They're looking to to understand the other person. They use language to as a way and, and talking as a way of of creating intimacy. Mm-hmm. Guys tend to do this by doing stuff together. Yeah, throwing you know, a guys ball. will work outside together and they'll build something. You know, or they'll even do it with their wives. You know, they'll go outside and you know work in the garden together. Yeah. And for them, that's kind of a bonding thing where women want to use words and they want to talk. The other thing that women do is that where guys will tend to have a problem, they'll go into their man cave or kind of shut down and kind of think and think and think and think and think, and three weeks later come out and go, honey, we're moving to Paris. I've got the answer. (laughs) Where women tend to solve problems by talking them out. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm going to tell you about my day. And by talking about what happened on my job, I actually begin to kind of figure out how I'm feeling. I begin to figure out what bothers me the most. And they, and they just need you as a sounding board and somebody to kind of validate what, what they're saying and thinking. Right. And, and I guess our goal, is, if I'm a guy talking there, is not to fix it quickly, but right. to, to just create a space where they can kind of bounce it off of us and 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 bond on it, connect on it, create more ideas, and then it'll either solve itself or it's not really necessary to even fix. Right, right. And, 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 what, I, and what I tell, um, you know, sometimes what, what I'll say to, to, to help, help the, for wives to help the guys out, you know, would be to say, give them a heads up. Yeah. You know, that, that's where I use this kind of newspaper analogy. You know, like at the start of the conversation, say, it was a good day, let me just get things off my chest. Yeah. Or actually, I had a hard time with my boss. I need your ideas about this. Mm-hmm. So the guy knows what to listen for. Yeah. So when because so, that way when she starts telling the story of the day, I remember some comic saying, "My wife tells me about her day in real time." You know, where where kind of it's all the details and whatever. When the guy gets, starts to get flooded, 
with too much information, he knows what to listen for. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that... He can relax, he can go off duty, he can just kind of listen to what's going on. The other thing that Deborah Tannen's research shows is that um, women do a good job when they're talking with each other of kind of nodding their heads yeah. and saying, Showing. I understand, and responding and acknowledging. Guys do the stone face kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. they just kind of sit there. And, again, this is where it's easy for the other person to misperceive it. They think they're just turning them out. They think right. they're going to not pay attention. Yeah. But actually, they're taking it in. And so it's important, you know, for guys to kind of connect by nodding their heads and saying, I understand, and this must be hard. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, the, the wives start to feel frustrated by yeah. this. And what, what do we do if she really does have a nail poking out of her head, Bob? <laughs> well, <laughs> do we just, I mean, because it's hard to not look at it. Right. It's right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually been that, that, that I... That's my favorite video of late. I'm glad you you brought it up. You know that I, I I've been showing this to to almost all the couples I see. Yeah. They all think it's really funny because they can identify with it. But the two the two reactions I get from the couples is some folks see it. Most of them see it as male female communication. You know, my husband's always trying to fix my problem. Right. He doesn't listen to me. But the other side of it, often from the guys, is it's about denial. You know, yeah. hello, She's don't denial. you see you got a nail in your head? This is where we got to fix this. Yeah. And you're in denial about what's the problem. Yeah, it's interesting. You know? And so we get these kind of two different divergent views. And it is about, but then that gets into who's got the problem. Well, and what is the problem? Because we think the problem's a tangible nail. Right. When for her, it's the expression, it's the feeling of the emotional a band, like you're not caring, you keep trying to fix it, or it's, I mean, right. it's, it's not what it is. So it's almost like this is why knowing we're different, not even just male, female, but knowing we're all different Absolutely. gives us gives us the rules that we should, I guess, at least figure out where you're coming from before I try to fix anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I spend a lot of time when I'm working with folks trying to help them do that. You know, what what, what happens for a lot of couples just in general is that one person tends to be a bit over-responsible for the other person. Again, and that's a, a good thing because they care about them. Sure. But also it's based on their personalities. That some people are kind of wired by personality and upbringing to be nurturers, to be caretakers, to be sensitive to other folks. And so what often happens is when they see their partner in distress, they see, like they're, they're, they see a problem, that they're unhappy about something, their instincts are to try to help them feel better. Yeah. What's happened? What's often happening, though, is probably they're doing it because they want the person, because they care about the other person. But oftentimes they're doing it because they themselves are starting to get anxious. They yeah. don't like this uncomfortable feeling that kind of comes from this other person. They don't like how the culture, you know, how the climate feels in the house with this person feeling depressed or angry. Or yeah, whatever. so they're really trying to change it for themselves. So trying to do it for themselves in part. And this is where you start to get into trouble, because they're being over-responsible. They push harder. This is what the guy's doing with the nail. They push harder and harder to yep. try to get the other person to change, and then it starts to feel like a power struggle. Yeah. Or the other person starts to feel like they're being controlled. You know, so one of the things I spend a lot of time with couples going is, who's got the problem? If you feel it, it's your problem. Yeah, own it. Yeah, it's yours. It's a, it's a, yeah. And I so love that. You fi- so, the, so your first line of defense is to tell the other person what's bothering you. So if you leave your socks on the floor, and that drives me crazy, I've got to tell you about it, because you can't read my mind. A lot yeah. of couples that do this mind-reading thing where I don't tell you what I'm... Somehow you're supposed yeah, to know. you'll figure it out after I put <laughs> them in the toilet. <laughs> the look on my face, you know, when I, when I walk down the hall. No, I've got to tell you about it. 
part B is if you decide not to do anything about it, you go, you know, Matt, give it up with the socks. That's right. You know, life is too short. That's right. I got to figure out what I'm going to do next. Awesome stuff. We're talking to Bob Tavy, LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. He's helping us sort through the differences between men and women in communication. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. You're listening to BYU Radio. Nanomachines compete for mega honors at this year's Mobile Micro Robotics Challenge. You can't see them, so let us tell you about them. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Every year, the National Institute of Standards and Technology sponsors the biggest little contest anywhere. It's a challenge designed to drive engineers to create ever smaller yet more capable nanorobots. Just how nano is nano? The robots have to be smaller than the width of a human hair. This year, the bots are racing in a figure eight track in a space smaller than the period at the end of a sentence. Their second challenge is a variation of the old cup stacking party game where the nanobots will assemble triangular pieces to tightly aligned stacks while racing the clock. The bots are driven by remote-controlled magnetic fields and viewed using electron microscopes. Last year, they played soccer with a bacteria-sized ball. NIST sponsors these challenges to inspire and excite inventors and engineers to try new ideas in nanorobotics. Eventually, some of these innovations could end up in tiny medical bots that will repair individual cells in your body, or micro-assemblers that walk around inside the tiniest computer chips to build circuits. Thinking small has a big future. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Whether it's the big picture or the minute details, Marcus Smith loves to discuss anything and everything about the world around us. We're always talking about the big picture. The big picture is good to see. But I suspect that where we are lacking is in our capacity and our appetite to think about the smallest things. Start your day off with Marcus Smith on The Morning Show, weekdays at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about the differences between men and women. And, and again, there's some fascinating research out there. And we've got a great guest. His name is Bob Taby, And Bob Taby has been a clinical social worker for 39 years. And there is something different, isn't there, Bob, when you sit down with a couple, and you've done this for 39 years. When you yeah. sit for 39 years... Couple after couple, eight of them an hour a day, let's say. Right. You you start seeing some pretty obvious patterns. Yep. yep. And trends. So yep. we can be all we want, you know, we can say we're all exactly alike, but when you sat there and heard over and over and over and over similar complaints, something's going on. Something's going on, yeah. And and, and one of the major, you know, well, for a lot of kind of what you're saying before about you know women and divorce, I also see women kind of dragging their husbands in. Oh this yeah, oh the, yeah. This is the worst nightmare for a lot of guys. Yeah, it's you like. Know, that, have you ever noticed they always say the same thing, Bob? It's not that bad. Right. <laughs> right. It is not it's that big, bad. Big deal about nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 But, we can work this out. Yeah. But it, this is the worst nightmare because now now we're going to sit down and we got to talk. I know. And now we got to talk about how you feel and. All those emotional things. And it's uh, it, 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 and they, the guys come in with that like deer in the headlight look. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and so, yeah, so one of my challenges is helping them kind of calm down and realize, we, we, you know, I, gotta, I have to talk two different languages. Yeah, <laughs> no, you do. I have to talk the language of emotions and, and, and listening for, for, for the wife, and then I need to talk to the guy about how we're going to solve problems. Well, it's interesting, and, and I've even found, because I, I have a coaching practice as well, and yeah. it's almost like when, when, um, when I'm stronger with the woman and might be saying, come on, really, we got to pick, we, gotta, we still got to solve it and do this, he just lights up like, yeah, yeah get her, get her. But then, um, it, in a weird way, I think women do get the solution orientation thing. Like, I think they do go there and they do get there. I, I just think it's oh, it's going to traditionally be after they feel understood. It's almost like we Absolutely. have to unlatch the emotional need, don't we? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're there for a reason. Yeah. I mean, they're they're talking about stuff because they do want a solution, and and they're coming if they're coming in for some kind of counseling situation, they obviously want things different and better yeah you know? but at some point yes they do want to feel understood they want to make sure they're validated they don't want to be dismissed oh. you know and again the thinking is if you care about me you'll listen to me and if you care about me you'll want to understand how i feel not just jump ahead oh i see and that's when the guy rolls his eyes back a lot of, oh, yeah, goes, Come on, how yeah well i remember hearing this quote a long time ago you know where we're you know, in 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 struggling marriages, you know, the the guy is always saying, "If we have to keep talking about this, I'm out of here." You oh, know? and the and the wife is saying, "If we can't keep talking about this, I'm out of here." It's done. In, yeah. in fact, some of the research also gets into this idea of this pattern of pursuer withdrawer, where mm-hmm. one person tends to be kind of more the aggressive pursuer that's going to talk about the issue, one person tends to be the withdrawer. That's right. And the data, again, shows about 70% of the time women are more inclined to pursue the talk. Yes. And men, 70% of the time, are more inclined to walk away from it. Why? Yeah, yeah guys guys tend to turn into turtles real quick. I mean, that's, yeah. that's my, my phrase. You know, they kind of just seal up and shut down. And again, I think it's, it's because they easily get overwhelmed. You know, well, they can do it. I mean, guys can do it in, the, in jobs. Oh, yeah, all the time. They can do it in business. But when you start to get into emotions, when you start to get into, um, you know, try the, 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 the more intimate kind of conversations where they start to feel criticized, you know, they, 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 they start to feel pulled, pulled away. Yeah. And a lot of guys, you know, it's a self-esteem thing. They feel like they hear questions or their comments and they feel like they're not doing a good job mm-hmm. as a husband or as a partner and they start to feel bad and either get defensive or they they they, they pull away yeah you know, i have I, one of the things I, I i tend to think in terms of is you know and you know and there's research on this too you know most couples come into a relationship you know you have some kind of wound left over from your growing up yeah. you know you're sensitive to criticism or you're sensitive to being micromanaged or you're sensitive to whatever and you learned as a 10-year-old how to cope with this. You know, you figured out, i got to be... As a kid, you only got three choices in life. You know, you can either get good, you can get angry, or you can withdraw. Hmm. And you pick one of those things as a way to kind of cope with whatever you, you're most sensitive to. Your partner's got the same thing. they got some other wound. Somewhere down the road, within a couple of years of being married, you're going to instinctively be able to kind of push the other guy's buttons. Oh, you know, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna do you're gonna sound critical to them, and they're gonna do what they did when they were ten years old and play them like a puppet. Yeah, and, you... <laughs> but, and as soon as they and when they start doing their ten year old thing, it usually triggers your ten year old. Oh thing. yeah, that's so immature. And that's where you start to get these kind of 
circles uh-huh. going. Uh, child on child. It, it is, isn't yep. it? Yeah, yeah, and it goes downhill real fast. Oh, you're such a baby. Don't and... call me a baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or I the guy turns into the turtle and the wife's going to chase him down the yeah. hall. Yeah. And, you know, and so it's about what I tell couples is it is not about the other guy. Right. It is about you. You know, and it's about the analogy I use. It's kind of like you got software that's out of date. Mm. You know, you th- what you learn to do when you're a ten work then, but it ain't going to work now. And all it's going to do is keep you feeling like a ten year old. So what you need to do is generally just to learn how to be more flexible in the bigger world. Is you got to learn to do the opposite of what you tend to do. You know, so guys who tend to turn into turtles and withdraw are going to learn how to speak up. Rather than because because the wives are going to chase them until they speak up, you know, so they right. got to speak up and go and be proactive with it to reduce their wives' anxiety. And the wife, as soon as anytime the guy does that, their wives got to be quiet yeah. and just listen to encourage the guy to kind of come out of it, stick his head out of the shell. No, that's actually, and that's this goes back to your um, brief therapy approach that I know you do. Yeah, um, because. It's interesting. Every time I have somebody that never talks in a marriage, yeah. I usually have them married to someone that won't be quiet. <laughs> That's right. And then vice versa. So it, you're you're right on. So if if a guy's sitting there and he keeps hearing from his wife that she, he's never he never communicates, right. his role would be to talk. But and you don't right. have to be offensive. No. So just talk and be care be soft, be caring, and um and understanding. And uh, ladies, listen. Right. I mean, I, I love the be different advice because all you ever have to do, if your husband never talks to you, I had a lady come and she says, my husband will never talk about budget issues because it just drives him crazy. Right. And I'm like, well, then, okay, I got an idea. Go buy a canoe. Just go buy a $500 canoe and bring it home. You want to bet we're going to talk money? <laughs> he did not want a canoe. Right. And, and the minute you do something, she's like, I would never buy a canoe because right. why? This lady wanted a canoe, by the way. I would never buy a canoe. Why? Because we haven't talked about it. And so mm-hmm. your problem is you can't talk about it and you will never buy it. I'm pretty sure if you'll buy the canoe, he'll come up Don't and talk, talk to you about it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what, I, what I see, you know, I see folks, usually that's, that's kind of the, one of the basic communication problems. Somebody's got to step up and the other person's got to step down. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 where they get stuck is the other person, the other's waiting on the other guy to change. Oh, exactly. You know? <laughs> and we're both justified because the other's a jerk. Right, that's right. Because they don't do yeah. it our way. Yeah, <laughs> so they so they both got to do it. You know, they, and and the tricky part comes where the guy's got to step up even when she won't step down. Oh yeah, she's got to listen even when he doesn't go, mm-hmm. even when he when he doesn't want to step up. That's you true. Know? And that's where it gets tough. See, that's, that's where it gets tough. We're going to take a break. We're talking to Bob Taby. Bob Taby is an LCSW licensed clinical social worker. He's been doing this for 39 years. He's guiding us through the nuances of male-female communication. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. This is BYU Radio. KBYU-FM, HD2 Provo. Isn't it time for a little good on your Twitter feed? Follow us at BYU Radio to stay connected with BYU Radio hosts, to keep updated about your favorite shows, and to stay current on Cougar sports. Just follow BYU Radio on Twitter and keep talking about good. And thanks for listening to us here at BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. 
This is Sam McCall for BYU Radio News. A North Korean vessel bound from Cuba was carrying sophisticated missile equipment hidden in sugar containers. Authorities in Panama discovered the equipment while searching for drugs. U.S. State Department officials say the equipment violates at least three United Nations resolutions. U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder told a civil rights convention today stand-your-ground laws in 30 U.S. states should possibly be reconsidered and for the second day in a row stated the shooting death of teen Trayvon Martin was unnecessary. A prayer vigil to remember Trayvon Martin turned violent last night in Los Angeles when a group of around 150 broke off from the main protest and began to riot. Police quickly responded but did arrest over a dozen people. Despite calls from Russian President Vladimir Putin to leave, former U.S. spy agency contractor Edward Snowden has now applied for temporary asylum in Russia after spending three weeks at a Moscow airport. White House officials are still working to get Snowden extradited to face espionage charges. In world news, NASA officials had an Italian astronaut abort a six-hour spacewalk just one hour in after his helmet began to fill with water. The water may have leaked from a drink bag, but spacewalks are still rarely aborted. As protests in Egypt grow violent once again. A new cabinet has now been sworn in without a single Islamist from either of the country's two main groups, which have won all six elections in Egypt since 2011. Mexican authorities have captured the leader of the brutal Zetas cartel, the first major blow against organized crime since the new administration came to power in Mexico, with promises to drive down crime figures. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend here, your relationship coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this program to give you the tools, the things you need to make sure that uh, you grow your relationships happy, healthy, strong. That is the goal of the program. Welcome, everybody. Now, we have been talking already through the last breaks, a few breaks, about the differences between men and women, especially when it comes to communication to conversations. We've been talking to Bob Taby, who is an LCSW, licensed clinical social worker. He's been doing this work for 39 years. He's the author of five books, including Doing Couples Therapy, Craft and Creativity in Work with Intimate Partners, and a book that's coming up called Therapy Boot Camp, Action-Oriented Brief Approaches to Anxiety, Anger, and Depression. And Bob also, by the way, You can catch some of his columns um, on Fixing Families. He writes that for Psychology Today. He's also served as a teen advice columnist for Current Health and a contributing editor for Your Health and Fitness. Uh, Bob, thanks again for joining us. Uh, You're welcome. And they need to go check out your website, your blog site. Um, They just go to bobtaby.com. Now, Taby, T-A-I-B-B-I. Is that right? That's right. Bob Taby, T-A-I-B-B-I. Dot com. Uh, Bob, welcome back. Really, I love this topic um, because I don't think we quite get it. Yeah. And it's hard. And you see it in your job. You see it working as you sit down with couples and coach them. It's the communication, even though it's so natural and we all start it so early in our lives, it's really one of the hardest things we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've, I've always, you know, uh, I always say two things to, to folks when they come for uh, for counseling is that you know they're they're kind of 
I, I usually wind up saying pretty early on, I'm saying, what keeps you guys from solving these problems on your own? Yeah. You know, I, they, they want to kind of talk. It's easy for folks, and, it's, and it's, it's understandable. Folks kind of come in wanting to talk about, they want me to be a judge. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they right. They want to present their side of the argument, and they want me to decide who's right and wrong. And I'm more curious about where do they get stuck talking this out at home. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it's about they get too emotional. You know, they just, the analogy I kind of use with communication is, you know, having a conversation is like driving a car. And you, there's two parts of driving a car. Part A is you've got to figure out where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So before you start the conversation, figure it out what is the one thing that you want the other person to understand most, or what's the one problem you want to get a solution to. Part B is you've got to keep the car on the road. Yeah. You know, and this is where couples get, get stuck, because within you know, four seconds of the conversation, we're talking about somebody's mother or Christmas right. 2007 again. How did know? mom get back in there? <laughs> That's right. And we're going back down that road, and the conversations, you know, the car, the car's going, going off into a ditch. Mm-hmm. You know, so part of it, in terms of communication, is realizing when you're starting to swerve, and how do we kind of stay on topic? How do we keep the car on the road? How do we keep emotions in check so, so it doesn't get out of hand? Yeah. And being able to have ways of just, you know, and what I say to folks, the best you can do is the best you can do. You know, when you have a conversation, and it's starting to go off course a bit, you just focus on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you focus on what do you need. You you take care of how you're feeling. Be as clear as possible. Don't get lost in what the other guy's doing. And 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 the other part of it is, you know, in terms of what I usually say to folks is that once emotions start to get too riled up and people start to get out of hand with this kind of stuff, the problem in the room is no longer what you're talking about. Right. Exactly. It, it's a, it's the emotion. Yeah. You got to put out the fire. And usually anything you say at a certain point is just going to throw gasoline on the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so your first line of defense is just going to be quiet. We're back to listening. You know, yeah. you be quiet and just kind of listen. And it's, nod your head. And that, that's what I like love. Uh, that's what I love about the other day I was watching a little bit of the trial, the Zimmerman trial. Yeah. But it's interesting in court. So this place where we have such incredible, intense, emotional feelings where we're trying to get to truth and some understanding and we need to make a judgment. There's sure a lot of rules to keep the order. Mm-hmm. And it, found, it it just seems like in our marriages, um, we, we take our differences and it's just more like, you know, it's like it's just it, it creates an explosion because yeah. we don't have some protocol. We don't have yeah. some rules to follow. Yeah. And, and it's and it's. It's rules, and it's also skills. I mean, you yeah. know, people grow up in different kinds of families and different kinds of households, and, you know, and they get wired to deal with coping with stress in different kinds of ways. But you're right. It is about how do I, you know, learn the skills of communicating? How do I learn how to control my own emotions? Hmm. How do I help other people? You know, and, and the other thing that couples often are afraid to do, particularly if they start to have big arguments, is, A, they don't want to go back and revisit the topic. You right, know, they, right. they have they have a big argument on Saturday night and then Sunday morning, you know, they meet in you know, in the kitchen at, and they go, Hey, sorry about last night and they go, Yeah, me too. You they were sure a jerk. Yeah, we're done, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. yeah, good. And they never go back because they don't because they don't want to have World War Three again. Yeah. So it's buried. But then it, yeah, but then it becomes another topic that they can't talk about. Yeah. And you know, twenty years of that and you're talking about the weather and 
Tell me this. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then, yeah, then we're just chit-chatting each other yeah, right. until I guess we die. Right. Which is a really long road. Yeah. Um, because another thing that um, is brought up a lot that is this hierarchy issue mm-hmm. where um, – and uh, what's her name? Um, Deborah Tannen brought it up that a lot of times when a man is communicating, she found that – one of his goals is to maintain his hierarchy. Yeah. Kind of his, 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 he wants to save face. That's right. In every conversation. And a lot of times, um, I, I think what happens is that's not usually like a primary role for a female when talking might be to connect. Mm-hmm. And a primary role when a man's talking is to save face, not to look bad. That's right. And, and you know, and to kind of come out on top. Yeah. It's contentious. Yeah, she has. A, she actually has this great image in her book, where she says, "Just go to any playground at like an elementary school, or middle school, where the kids are playing at lunchtime at recess, and just watch what happens. And what you'll see is sort of small gangs of boys, <laughs> you know, playing King of the Hill or playing football, but they're pushing and shoving, and it's all about who's going to come out on top. Yeah, yeah. And you see girls in, in pairs." Sitting on the ground, maybe rolling a ball between them, talking. Talking. Doing hopscotch. <laughs> they're doing, yeah, they're yeah. doing that kind of stuff, and the guys are all into the dominance. It, and, so, and so that gets brought into the conversation. So when, you, when, when a conversation's brought to your husband and you say something like, look, I'm not happy. Right. Um, his inherent thought is, oh, boy. Here we go. Right. Here we go. What did right. I do this time? That's right. That's I right. can't do anything. And then he might turn into a competitor. Right. So now it's either we're either trying to fix you, which, by the way, fixing your your issues would put me in the hierarchy. That's right. Um, or we might just start to compete with you and turn it in from a dialogue to a debate. So now we're just going to whoever can debate better is going to win this. Right. I'm going to explain to you 50 reasons why you should be happy. Yeah. Yeah. How do Absolutely. we how do we get around kind of the ego thing, the male hierarchy issue? Yeah, I. That's that's it. I mean, it's it's obviously you know the starting point is to kind of be aware. Again, this is where I say to folks, you need to have tunnel vision. You know, just focus on you. Your 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 job is to be. You want to listen, but you want to be as kind of keep your ear close to you. Right. You know, when you're starting to get, feel competitive, when you're starting to feel criticized, you can talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, you can talk about. How, how, how you're feeling, but you want to be you you want to be careful about that. I mean, the other one is what you what you said before is, you know, what, what couples again what what I started to say before is what a lot of couples don't do is they don't talk about talking. Yeah, you know, at some point you want to not only do you want to revisit the argument we may have had Saturday night and go, oh, right, let's try this again, let's talk about the budget, but you also want to talk about help me understand why you got upset. You know, help me understand why you got so angry about that when I did that. Because I want to know what triggers you. You know, I want to, you know, well, would you give me that look, you know? Yeah, don't give or, me that look. <laughs> or you start, his, his, you know, asking me these questions, and I start to feel on the, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But, but this is part of educating, you know, yourself to the other guy. Right. So they, over time, can know, okay. Uh, it's not about me, it's about them, but I don't need to push their buttons for no reason. You know, I need to be sensitive. To, and again, this is where some folks get stuck, because particularly guys, because then they feel like they're backing down in some kind of way. Yeah, you know? I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to back, you know, if I have to do this kind of stuff, I'm kind of, you're getting your way, I'm backing down. Yeah. 
to die. You know, and it's not about backing down. No. You can you, you can still make your point. You can still put out whatever you want to say, but it's just being more sensitive to the other person, so the conversation is more productive. No, exactly. Yeah. It's um, I really I think that does everything you're saying gets into the bandwidth issue. I mean, a lot. I always notice that. It seems like a lot of the guys come in with a lot less bandwidth to keep the discussion going. Right. And, and I, it might just simply be if I see this as an open-ended competition right. where I now have to defend my my honor for the next right. hour, yeah. this is not very good. Right. But if right. she's sitting there thinking this is a way we're going to bond, we're going to connect at the end of this experience, we'll be closer – yeah. We will have solved one of our problems. She has a completely different motivation in mind. Right. And no wonder she's excited to have this talk. Absolutely. And no wonder he wants to run away. That's right. And hide under a rock. Right, right. It's, um, but like you say, too, it's something that we can actually, we can learn. We have yeah. to learn if we want to kind of make it through the issues. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and it's not one way or the other. It's about, right. you know, guys need to be able to talk about what they need for intimacy and connection. And women need to explain that they do, you know, the conversation isn't about being interrogated. Right. And we don't have to do it for four hours. We can do it, just sit down, you know, after the kids go to bed for a half hour and I'm satisfied. Maybe, or maybe um, she could just sneak it in. Or sneak it in. Like yeah. my wife tries to do. This is what my wife does, Bob. Help me with this. She'll go over to the garbage area. And she'll smell it. <laughs> and she'll say, ooh, Matt, come smell this. Yeah. And I'll go smell it. And I will go, ooh, yeah, gross. And then I'll go sit down. And then it, she gets so mad. She's like, you're not taking the garbage out? Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you want the garbage out? She says, I asked you to take the garbage out. <laughs> No, you didn't. You asked me yeah. to smell the garbage. Yeah, yeah. But she, she doesn't. Then she, this is her statement. I shouldn't have to ask you. You right. should know. Right. That's kind of, I guess. That's that indirect kind of. That's the, yeah, I should, I should know. And, yeah. um, and then it also usually gets into, you know, if you loved me, you would take the garbage out. Mm-hmm. Not true. Because I love right. her to death. That right, garbage right. stinks. I'm not going near it. But it's right. in the end, there are so many assumptions that if we don't state it, and, and I think a lot of guys would rather we just state it, wouldn't right. you? Just, hey, oh, babe, yeah. will you take the garbage out at your next earliest convenience? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Make, make it clear. And, and, to, and, to, and part of the understanding of the other person is be able to, I need to know. Don't give me a list of 300 things that are important to you, but give me a list of, you know, top five. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. If the garbage is on that top five, I'll do it, baby. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, I also I, I like, a, I like a timeline. Like my, I like my wife to say, Matt, will you take that garbage out before eight so we yeah. can sit down and relax and watch yeah. a movie together? Right. If I hear that, boom, okay. That's right. That's it. Now, it's interesting because if she just says, Matt, will you take the take that garbage out right now? No. I'm going to actually, I'm going to do it on my own time. Right. I'm going to do it when it's good for me. You're, you're not the boss of me. No, you're not. I'm going to do it. See, I'm a big boy. Now, look at that. That's me going back to my 10-year-old. There you it? go. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that funny? We're just, we're just living our past. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, Bob, I appreciate you. Now, where can they find you, and when's this new book coming out? The, the book's coming out in, uh, in October. 
Uh, I'm sorry. It's going to come out in December. It's W.W. Norton. You can get it on Amazon. All my books are on Amazon. You can find them there. Sweet. Um, and uh, and I do have the website. And I got you mentioned it. Psychology Today. Um, I have a bunch of articles there on relationships. I got a um, you know ten ways to think like a therapist. I got uh, stuff on communication. All things we've been talking about today. Yeah. So. Uh, you can check it out. That's awesome. Bob Taby, T-A-I-B-B-I. Go check out his website, bobtaby.com, T-A-I-B-B-I.com, or go to Amazon and pick up some of his books. Bob, again, thank you. All right. You're welcome. Appreciate you. Me. You bet. Take care. You bet. This is the Matt Townsend Show, folks. We're learning. We're learning about the differences between men and women. Again, you may be different. Uh, you may fall more into the male category as a female, whatever. We just need to be checking and understanding and assuming the difference. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Could your city's next power plant be located 200 miles overhead? A new design idea might make it possible. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Some ideas for space-based solar power satellites have been around for decades, but never got off the ground because of engineering limitations. While separate elements of such a system have been tested over the years, the overall designs were never practical to afford. But for the next year, a program sponsored by NASA's Office of the Chief Technologist will do a deep study on a new way to put the pieces together that might finally pave the way to this futuristic idea. The power satellite, called SPS-Alpha, mimics how biological organisms grow and operate. By building up small modules that are easy to mass-produce and launch, then connecting these cells up together in orbit over time, a large and efficient solar power platform can be assembled that's cost-effective. The special sunlight-concentrating design looks much more organic and flower-like than anything in space today. NASA thinks this biomimetic design could be a winner. The NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts Program funds research on breakthrough ideas like the SPS Alpha to help push American space technology to the next level. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, friends. Wrapping up the Matt Townsend Show here. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. At this point in the show, we like to go to a segment we call... The Internet Asks and Matt Answers. Yay! Thanks, Skyboy. That's all I got. I don't yeah, think that's well, what we had in mind. But I've it works. never, yeah, <laughs> laugh track. That's just what we need on this show is a laugh track. Hey, let's try to don't no, let's not. One of these days we're going to do laugh track. I want big laugh track. I want to use it a lot. Okay. The hard part is we're going to need someone with a sense of humor to push the button. So it'd be something kind of like because <laughs> Skyboy never laughs at my. <laughs> and day. now, the Matt Townsend Show. I don't know. I don't Thank know if it's you. working. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I just flew in from Chicago, and boy, am I on We could diet. do this one. After the Matt Townsend show. No. That's for the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's for the grand finale. Okay, Robbie, you got, some, uh, you got some people on the interweb. Who have questions. Well, yes. this is specifically a, a guy writing in who's 
been dating his girlfriend for six months. They get along quite well. Sweet. But he's decided, you know, to, especially to impress her, that he wants to lose some weight. Yeah. He's uh, about 250 pounds, five foot seven. Does he have plantar fasciitis? Didn't say that. Okay, just checking. Is he a girly boy? No, I don't think so. So it's not Matt. <laughs> I know it's not me. Man. So to try to cut down and get out of the 250 range yeah. back into the 100s, he's cut his calorie intake way down, like 1,600 calories a day. Right. And it's causing some problems because his girlfriend is taking it personally. They'll, they'll still sit down to eat, but he'll, be, he'll eat very little and he'll be kind of picky about it. Um, and she'll eat whatever she wants because she, she's what, got a fast metabolism. What does she eat? What does she weigh? Oh, she'll eat fast food, chicken fingers, pizza, pancakes, bacon, ramen noodles, cakes, cookies, candy, brownies, whatever she wants. Lucky. He, uh, he'll just have some carrots. <laughs> so that's, that's causing okay. some problems. He yeah. uh, went and met her for breakfast and she had fixed him pancakes and bacon. And he said, oh, well, I, it looks absolutely delicious, but I just – I can't eat it. And she started to cry. Mm. They went to McDonald's together a few days later. She ordered a, an entire meal and he ordered a side salad and she just sat there and refused to talk. Interesting. Where does he go? Wow. Well, I'd go to Subway. Cause, <laughs> just kidding. Um, here, okay, interesting. Now, do you notice something? Uh, it seems like, based on everything we've talked about today, that they're not on the same page. Because you would think she would be just as excited to have him losing his weight as he is. But she's not. Maybe she likes him being fat. Yeah. But interestingly, or maybe she really doesn't like that he keeps showing her how poorly she eats. Mm. So there's this weird problem where every time he eats healthy and she's snarfing down an Egg McMuffin, for example, she realizes she's just, you know, one little switch in her metabolism away from being a real mess and losing it. So anyway, one thing that might be going on, I seriously bet they're not on the same page. We know that. He's trying to lose weight. She's not. He's eating, not eating a breakfast. She actually seems surprised that he wasn't going to eat the pancakes and bacon. Now, was that a trap? Was she trying to trap him into eating pancakes and bacon? I don't know. Come on over for breakfast. And I'll give you some pancakes and bacon. And he was strong, but she cried. So um, I, I don't know that this is a couple that needs to break up. So if that's what they're asking, but we do need to have a really serious discussion about what do you want from me? Do you want me dead with heart failure in a few in 10, 20, 30 years? Or can you support me in my desire to be healthy? Also, why on earth can we still not have a meal together with him eating what he wants to eat and her eating what she wants to eat? She can eat whatever she wants to eat. It's not based on what he's eating. So like we talked about earlier, a lot of these problems are about us. I think she has an issue. For some reason, she's not supportive of him losing weight. I think personally, if I'm a betting man, it might be simply because every time he eats healthy, it magnifies how horribly she eats. And I think it's causing anger. The anger, by the way, this woman has is not at him. It's at herself. Because she should be the girlfriend that's supportive of her boyfriend losing weight. I mean, that should be natural. If she can't be supportive of her boyfriend losing weight, 
then I guess either A, go gain 400 pounds and lose her, or B, lose your weight, and if we lose her, we lose her. You can't be unhealthy. Ugh. What about compromise? He eats a little bit of bacon. Well, by the way, eventually, yeah, he can <laughs> go on the protein diet. Um, and it doesn't have to be the either or. We've talked about that a million times. It's just – it seems like there's something else going on here because, boy, you'd think your girlfriend would be super supportive of that. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, done. Another angel got wings and a high or a low-calorie diet. Want to, talk, want to talk snoring now? I do. This is my favorite topic. Oh, a couple been married for seven years. Happily mm. married, except until the husband falls asleep. Oh, the boy. minute he hits the pillow, <laughs> just snoring. I don't know. I can't do a good snoring. That sounded like you had a respiratory problem. <laughs> it's supposed to be a snoring sound. Was that snoring a snore? Sound. Yeah, yeah. Just... Do you snore, Skyboy? I, I don't think I do. Really? No. I've, never been, told that, that, I, well, I've you, never been told that I snore. Well, you think that that cape would kind of choke you. Choke me. I actually take it off when I sleep. Oh, you do that smart. Yeah. I, can, I leave the rest on yeah, in case duty yeah. calls in the middle of the yeah, night. You never know when you got to get up yeah. and save a life. Yeah. yeah but I can understand her problem. I mean, back in college, I had a roommate who was two rooms away. Oh, yeah. And the snoring would, you know, wake me totally. out in the middle of the night. So Huge. You imagine your spouse in the same bed. So- She's to the point where she's gone seven years without sleep. He doesn't really want to go to the doctor to deal anything about it. He he's overweight, um, so even in the middle of the night, she'll wake up, and be like, "Wake up, go go sleep on the couch." He, oh, okay, and then he falls right back to sleep. Uh, um, and uh, all capital letters here, you know. And she says, "I just feel like I should be the one who gets to sleep in the bed because." This is his fault that he's snoring, not mine. He tells me he'll go to the doctor because I don't know if I have sleep apnea or not. Oh. But you're not a doctor, so you can't tell me what to do. Okay. Okay. What's the question? She's ready to get a divorce. Okay. A, don't get a divorce till you've gone to a doctor to find out if he has sleep apnea. If he has sleep apnea, uh, now, the, her, it sounds like her problem is she can't motivate this dude to do anything. And I'll tell you why. He's not getting enough sleep. <laughs> the dude's got sleep apnea. I'll bet you bucks. Uh, 20% of couples today do not sleep in the same bed. So why we would need to divorce, I have no idea. Just go be one of the 20% of the couples that don't. You don't have to divorce just because we can't sleep in the same room. So I, I think, again, she's so frustrated that she might be throwing that out there. What I would suggest to her is I, I'd go be very real. And I would simply just say, here's the deal. You need to go to the doctor. Until you do go to the doctor, you're not sleeping in our bed. You're keeping me awake. I suggest you go soon because you're probably very – you probably have sleep apnea and it's impacting you. So either go sleep – and by the way, I would go put him on the most uncomfortable thing in the house. I, that's just me being rude. But I would take the stand. You're not sleeping in the bed. You're keeping me up. That's not my fault. That's not fair. So I wouldn't – I would make him leave and then I would basically be doing that to simply get him to go get help. Once he gets help, I promise you, you'll find out. They'll put him on a CPAP machine. He'll be able to breathe better than he ever has. He'll probably have more energy, which might allow him to go work out with the other guy we were talking about. 
who's on the workout plan. Maybe we ought to hook these two up. They can go start working out together. You can lose some weight and maybe snore less. Less. There are surgeries that can take place. Some of this, too, to the, to the female, um, he's not choosing this. If we find out that this isn't just because of weight, some people just can't breathe. And some people have sleep apnea. So get them on the machine. It'll probably work. Uh, the, the interesting thing notice about a lot of these people, um, they're just so frustrated. And we're ready to give up a marriage because of sleeping. We're ready to give up a relationship because our partner's losing weight. Hey, folks, if we can't handle these hard things in a relationship, then maybe you're not cut out for long-term relationships. Long-term relationships demand that you're going to deal with somebody that might have a sleeping issue or that might have a weight issue. That's why we say we're going to marry till death do us part through thick and through thin. There's reasons we make those commitments, those covenants. Let's stick with each other. Don't give up till the fat lady sings. Hey, there's a another person got wings in heaven. This is the Matt Townsend Show, my friends. Thank you for joining us. Again, we're going to be back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to lift up your life and to help you see the good in the world. This is BYU Radio right here on Sirius XM 143.